0: Creativelyanddeliberately.com, a podcast where we will discuss how to creatively and deliberately make choices that give life meaning. This is Danette Hansen, your host. Thanks for joining me. This is Podcast 20. Like Podcast 10, I'm going to tell a story. It's for all the sports fans. And don't worry if you aren't a sports fanatic. The moral of the story still applies to all of us. I gazed into the crowd-filled stadium. Their cheers seeped into my skin, leaving a sweet taste in my mouth. I took a refreshing breath. I was ready, physically and mentally, to play this tennis game. I swung my racket, looking back over at my opponent, Kevin Anderson, from the professional circuit. He tipped his ball cap in my direction. Even though I was the underdog in this match, I was excited to give it my all. The phrase, just because he's strong doesn't mean he can't be beat, echoed in my ears. I wanted to take my passion and let it trump logic. Beat the odds. Feeling pumped, I jogged in place on the green to warm my blood and loosen my muscles. Play, the chair empire said. Kevin had the first serve. I gripped in my ready position, eyes on the ball. It launched over to my side with speed. I volleyed it back, then centered myself for the next hit. The crowd clapped and fueled my desire for another successful slam. My backhand swing returned the ball, and the throng of people yelled their surprise. Yeah, Max! The commentator declared, we've got ourselves a game. I didn't want to lose my momentum. My next hit came out with a grunt. Kevin missed it. Oh, pinged off the walls as the ball barely hit over the baseline. Every moment counted. The ball torpedoed back to me. I hurried and loaded my weight on my back foot and coiled for extra torque. The crowd went silent. Okay, okay, it really didn't go like that. I didn't play Kevin Anderson, but the game was just about as intense. It was the high school championship. The announcer listed off my opponent's name, but I couldn't remember it. All I saw was the purple, and I preferred Mustang Royal Blue. The Stingrays were an undefeated team, so I had to make sure that I played my best game. I had to serve. I extended my right arm in the air and tossed the ball up. I swung hard, and the ball flew over the net with sharpness. I heard my mom yell, that's the way to do it. My shoe squeaked as I dashed across the court, hitting the ball. Our volleying back and forth left us out of breath. Backhand, forehand, all holding the grip with strength. And then, I missed the ball. I had to win. For me, for the team. With my hands clutching the racket, I focused my eyes. My heart beat erratic. When I saw his arm straighten, I sat in a squat for more spring. The ball launched in my direction, but the officiator yelled, Foot fault. Relief emptied my lungs. I had the control again. The pressure to succeed crowded around me like the fence lining the court. To my right, my teammate Chuck battled for his own win. But I had to ignore his game. I served, and my opponent missed it. An easy point. I made another point, and another. Confidence swelled in my head as I won the first set. But then the second set went in his favor. I glanced over at Chuck's scoreboard. He lost his match. Additional weight sat on my shoulders. I took in a deep breath and my head spun. I started seeing spots, but big enough that I worried I wouldn't even be able to tell which was the ball. All right, all right, I exaggerated. I wasn't in the state championship game. I did go, though, and watched it. Our high school barely won. I actually was playing ping pong with my brother Tyrell, but my dad was watching the Wimbledon match on TV. My hits did hurl over the tiny net with speed, and we did volley back and forth before one of us scored. There were enough times that we fought over the rules that we needed a referee. Quiet, my dad yelled a few times, but it only fueled our disagreements. Even though Tyrell was younger, he won most games, so I was the underdog. I wanted to flip the script and finally gain the title of championship but it was like my paddle had holes in it. The ball slipped past me too many times. Here it was my turn to tear through the opening before me. I had to be serious and hit with the skill of a professional in order to come off conqueror. I crouched over the table in my ready position for victory. This was it. I knew it. The white ball zipped over the net and hit me. Ow, my eye, you idiot, I yelled. My dad flew over the couch. That's it. Give me the ball. Tyrell laughed. Don't ask Max to get it. He can't even see the ball when it hits him in the face. Funny, I yelled as my eyes watered. And the game goes on, Tyrell said as he walked off into his bedroom. We all tell embellished stories that either over-exaggerate the truth or the pain caused in our lives. What stories are you currently telling about your lives? As a fictional author, it's easy for me to acknowledge the thrill that comes from telling a good story. I'll give a little plug in for my fictional novels that can be found on Amazon under my author name, Danette J. Hansen. I have a World War II mystery called Coincidence, a young adult contemporary fantasy called Misplaced, and a Book of Mormon historical adventure called A Fire That Heals under the pen name of D. Vanson. You should read them all and see what you think. Oh, and I've also illustrated and written a children's story called Space Gum. But in reality, we are all storytellers. Sometimes we still tell stories where we are cast as the underdog or the victim. When we're in the victim mode, our stories sound as if everyone is out to get us. And then at times... You'll feel like the world owes you. The biggest game you play is the blame game. Mark Twain said, Don't go around saying the world owes you a living. The world owes you nothing. It was here first. Victims whine, complain, and are easily offended. Ouch. I know I've been there a time or two. Victims impatiently wait for things to happen to them. And the only change they take is when it's forced. Is that what you want in life? To be a victim? Choose now not to be a victim or to live in the victim mentality that naturally lets bad influences contribute to the misfortunes they experience instead of relying on the actions they could take to write and change their circumstances for the better. It takes emotional intelligence to rise above the immaturity that comes with a victim mentality. Since we can't control everything that happens to us in life, we must realize that we can control how we respond. Don't worry about what you can't control. Worry about what you can. An unknown author said, quote, an unhealed person can find offense in pretty much anything someone does." A healed person understands that the actions of others have nothing to do with them. Each day, you get to decide which one you will be, Just like we don't have control over the weather, we don't have control over how others act. Thankfully, we are only responsible for our own actions. The trick, then, is to learn how not to confuse someone else's behavior with your own. Own what you bring to the story, and don't ever give your power over to someone else or something else, and leave yourself powerless. We all have the power to turn tragedies into triumphs, and to cast ourselves as the hero. Elaine Maxwell said, Whether I fail or succeed shall be no man's doing but my own. I am the force, Unquote. There will be times in life where we are cast as the survivor. A survivor knows grit and determination as they fight for their place in this world. This is better than living in a powerless victim mode. However, getting stuck in a survivor mode leaves you barely staying afloat of the difficulties that life presents. Sadly, each life-threatening disaster zaps you of energy, and you must live in a fight mode in order to face every challenge that comes your way. There's a better way to be, and that's to rise as a hero. Generally, it's going to take some healing to move upward, but it's possible to heal and move onward. A hero is not defeated by the horrific problems they have had to fight, rather their battles— have made them a better person who displays their strength and resilience by the skills they have gained. They share the extra power they've acquired through fortitude and understanding by inspiring others to raise above their painful situations with the same noble resolve to never give up. In the hero's journey that fiction authors use in telling a good believable story, their characters always have hard things to overcome and conquer. So when you think of a hero, make sure that you don't delete this important fact out. Having conflict is part of life. The making of a hero is always displayed on how continually they learn from their challenges with dignity and conscious transformation. A hero goes through many changes because they are resilient. What is resilience? The ability to bounce back from difficulties or tragedies without becoming bitter. It's like being elastic. That's why I love that they've cast Elastigirl in The Incredibles as a mom or woman. Or being pliable. It takes adaptability to be resilient. In the hero's journey, the hero's call to adventure isn't something they seek out. In fact, they resist it at first, but then they surrender. Surrendering in life is learning to let go of the things you can't control and learning to rely on a higher power and source for understanding and strength. One of history's heroes to me, which isn't fictional, is Corey Ten Boom. Her book, The Hiding Place, is one of my favorite autobiographies. What moved me the most about her and her sister is that they did what was right and ethical, regardless of its risk. Anyone in World War II who resisted the human abuse that ran rapid is a hero in my mind. Corrie held true to her faith in God, despite the punishment of being thrown into the consecration camp. She even learned how to thank God for fleas. If you don't know this story, I would encourage you to read the book. But what makes her the biggest hero in my mind is her ability to forgive her persecutors. Bridget, my cousin, told me this profound truth. She said, it's generally through others that we get hurt, but it's also through others that we heal. Corey Ten Boom's love of the truths that she read in the Bible was then shown through her actions. She lived what she believed. She didn't let others' bad behavior negatively influence her own. Rather, she chose to treat others as she wanted to be treated. She deliberately chose to be known for her love and compassion. It was obvious she believed, as it says in Isaiah 53, 5, But he, Christ, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. She was healed through Christ. And she was able to forgive her persecutors. She didn't remain a victim. One person that is also risen above that of a survivor into that of a hero Elizabeth smart it took eight years for her captors to go on trial and in that time she realized it was time for her to address her past by standing in the public eye as a testament that she wasn't going to let her captors steal any more of her life at first she didn't want to publicly talk about what happened to her it was tragic and demoralizing She now says that her tragic experience has helped her become what she is today. As an advocate for women's rights and child safety, she fights for justice. Justice has its place as it should. But learning to forgive and move on is vital. She said she forgave her captors because she needed to show her self-love In her words, she said, my captors will never care whether I forgive them or not, but it was important for me to forgive them. I had to forgive them and move on. She knew that she was not to blame herself for their inappropriate actions. What an awesome example of never giving up and turning your pain over to God so that you can let go and move on. Her story shows that there is life after tragic events. As we all mature past victimization, let's let our thoughts and actions show it. There's a saying, there is no victims in life. There's only participants. An emotional mature person does a self-examination often. When made aware of areas to change, they do so willingly and humbly. They take responsibility for contributing to the relationships and situations by their thoughts and actions. Emotional mature person believes that nobody owes them anything. They accept responsibility for their own learning, for their own finances, and for their own happiness. They act with kindness regardless of the situation. They take calculated risks and they enjoy their own company. They respect diversity and listen to others' points of view with an open mind. They mind their own business and stay in control of themselves without ever trying to control or force their will on others. Hopefully we can all write these characters into the stories of our lives. Thanks for joining me, creativelyanddeliberately.com. If you like what you've been hearing, please subscribe or even share with others. Thanks for your support and listening, creativelyanddeliberately.com.